it's Elizabeth here from the Small Business Stories podcast. This week we're doing something a bit different and we have a panel of our some of our experts here in the room. So today's episode, we are focusing on finance in your business. And uh, as I said, we've got some experts here. So I've got um, Gary Thorpe, who is a business cardiologist, and he will explain what that is in a minute. We also have Rob Harris, who is a financial educator. And we have Malcolm Sackman, who is an accountant. So these are our experts here today, and we're going to ask some questions and hopefully provoke a discussion for you so um, you can get some ideas how to manage those finances in your business. So um, thank you so much um, to all of you for taking part in our panel interview today. You're welcome. Good to be here. So we're going to start off by putting Gary in the hot seat with the first question. Uh, So the first question I've got for you, Gary, is... What are common misconceptions people have around debt collection? How we can combat these misconceptions and communicate more effectively? So that's your question, but you may just want to start off and just tell people about what you do. Okay, yeah. So I'm Gary Thorpe, and uh, my business is Debt Doctors. Uh, I call myself a business cardiologist because basically that's what I do. I look after the heart health of a business. Um, and in the same way as with your body, you have to have uh, a healthy system that pumps the blood around, cleans out the impurities and gets it into your heart so that your heart can pump it back out and make your body work properly. Same for a business. You have to have cash flowing around your business. It has to be loaded with profit, which is the oxygen, I suppose, for your business. Um, and it has to be able to be then pumped out of your bank account and reinvested to grow your business moving forward. So. It's a, it's a, a very, very uh, similar process, and that's what I choose to call it, business cardiology. If your cash flows strongly, if it's loaded with profit, if it's free of impurities like bad customers and poor process, then it will enable you to reinvest in your business and grow and be more strong and healthy. So that's what I do. Well, welcome, Gary. Thank you. In terms of the question, um, popular misconceptions from a business perspective about debt collection is that if I, as a business owner, employ a debt collector or, or, or put my debt, my unpaid invoices out for debt recovery, I will lose my customer. The simple truth about that statement is that if, you, if you've not been paid and you're thinking that you might have to go to debt recovery, you've lost your customer anyway, and why would you want to keep a customer that doesn't want to pay you? Yeah, I think that's a very good question, Gary. <laughs> um, so at that point, you're not losing anything because you haven't been paid. So you've you've actually already lost everything at, the, at that point. You've lost the value of your sale. You've lost the profit from the sale. You've lost the goodwill of the, of the, the customer if it was there in the first place. Um, so, And you've also lost future profit because whatever your profit margin is and whatever the value of that invoice that you've lost is, you're going to have to generate so much more in revenue to, just to get that money back before you start making a profit on anything else. So yeah. the idea of, of not collecting a debt because you might lose a customer is, is flawed in so many ways. Yeah. And- um, how to combat it, just keep talking to business owners and try to make them see the, 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 the flaw in their argument. And the other thing is as well, it's much better from a business perspective to be seen as somebody that will enforce your payments and your debts rather than somebody who doesn't because being somebody who doesn't can actually in the long run cost you more because you can be seen as a soft touch and all of the the would-be debtors in the world will come to you because they know that if they don't pay you you're eventually you're going to leave them alone and they'll get away with it so 
and that's much more costly in the long run. So it's just a process of education, really, I think, as far as business owners are concerned, and to, to be letting them know on a regular basis, you know, people like myself and, and Rob and Malcolm, that there is another way. There is a, a better way to do things which may actually uh, negate the need for you to ever consider debt recovery. So, um, you know. Yeah. And then Malcolm and Rob, what are your thoughts about what Gary has uh, said? I have a few thoughts. So I'll let you share yours before I share mine. <laughs> yeah, very valid points. I perhaps might go off on a slight tangent there because when business owners get a call or an email from a potential customer, their eyes light up in anticipation of <laughs> what a fantastic customer is going to be coming on board. And there's a tendency to take on every single customer in whatever requirements they may have. But quite often, we as business owners have been dealing with many customers over many years, get a gut feel quite early on in terms of whether that customer is going to be someone we should be taking on. There is often no obligation to even offer a quote or proposal to anyone that comes on board. So I would recommend, particularly those in the service industries, to have a bit of a chat with your potential customer. Now, are they the right type of people for you? What are they interested in? Do you have an ideal customer client profile? Do they meet that profile? So I really spend a lot more time understanding who the customer is, what they want, how you can best service them, and indeed, whether the right clients they are for you in the first place. So don't take on everyone that makes an inquiry. Yeah, that's a good point, Malcolm. That's a big lesson that yeah. I've learned. I was that person who took on everything and every anything in the beginning. And yeah, I ended up with one bad debt, which was um, quite devastating, which I've mentioned in my podcast. So um, it is a good point. And I have to say in the last year now, I've worked out who my ideal customer is. It's so much better payments come in a lot faster and and I'm not debt chasing <laughs> so much. So, so good point. I think that uh, a lot of that comes down to the, the what I call the five key business organs, really, which is the, the medical reference to what I do, to everything I do. And I'll maybe talk a bit more about those later. But I think that the accidental salesperson is pretty much every small business owner in the country because they didn't set their business up to be salespeople. And most of them aren't salespeople. Uh, and the people that are in sales, that, that understand sales and that do sales really well, also understand that actually sometimes it's good to walk away. Yeah. Um, and so you don't have to sell to everybody. Um, but small business owners generally are not in that mind frame. They're not in that mindset. So it's very difficult for them to, to do that. And so the process of education with regard to process, you know, due diligence, sales communications and all of those things, that's where where we need to be as professionals to, to talking to those people and saying like these are the things you need to be aware of and these are the things you need to do. Yeah, good point. Rob, have you got any thoughts on what we're talking yeah, about? It's not my area of of expertise really, but I, I think both the, um, Gary and uh, Malcolm's comments are really valid. I suppose a little bit of me saying, you know, um, we're in very difficult times at the moment, aren't we? And people are struggling and so on and so forth. And there are many stories of businesses and individuals that have gone bust, that have recovered later and gone into boom. And we might then regret we lost those customers. Um, you know, so it's a very different tightrope uh, to, to actually walk, isn't it? But 
uh, I mean, there have been several times when I, I, I've actually asked people, because uh, I, I sell a money awareness course, which costs money and it's an upfront fee. And I, I debate with people, how is your business going? What's actually happening to you? And, you know, is the fee upfront acceptable? Is it something that you, that you can choose to do at the moment? And if not, I, I would often spread the cost of it. Uh, so I have a number of customers still who um, I think value me for that, actually. There, there's an empathy between, an understanding between us, which is good for building a future. But I, I think in the main, I go along with Gary and, and Malcolm's views. You know, I, I think you've got to be clear about who is my customer. Is it the right customer for me? Very, very valid points, I think. Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think actually sometimes when you start evaluating how much time, especially on maybe your smaller clients that maybe like in my industry, maybe a couple of hours a month and they all the ones that are never pay. So mm. by the time you've spent time chasing that <laughs> that debt anyway, the cost of that, that could be another hour of your time that you're not going to get paid yeah. for. I think that's one of another lesson sort of I've learned in the last year. So yeah, it's about what the time it's going to take you to get in that money as well, especially if it's on a smaller charge so actually that will brings us nicely into our next question which we're going to level at malcolm as the accountant so obviously what do you think are the biggest risk factors for businesses running out of cash malcolm so malcolm if you want to introduce yourself as well and then obviously answer the question that would be great sure thank you elizabeth so i run an accountancy practice called 10 based in north london and milton Keynes. We do all the normal traditional accountancy tax services and we specialise in helping small businesses better understand, measure, quantify and improve their key numbers and their key profit drivers. Very good question. It's a, I, I could talk probably about an hour just on that one particular question. But there are sort of a number of general factors which I might talk about. The first thing is what I call mismatching of funds. So we often find that clients might, for example, want to buy some plant machinery or buy a building or something of a medium to long-term investment. And they're matching that with short-term finance, which causes a, a real drain unnecessarily on cash flow. And the other way around, we, we tend to find, particularly in the small business sectors, they may have a consistent running overdraft of 10, 15, 20,000 pounds, which initially was set up as a short-term gap. Maybe they're waiting for a customer to pay or unexpected outlay, outlay, but that's never been resolved or removed. And then we've got this core overdraft where bank obviously is very happy because they're charging <laughs> lots of interest and charges on that. And then the customer forgets about it. So we need to be moving that perhaps into a more medium-term loan or debt consolidation, because small businesses particularly need to free up their cash. The other aspect is in terms of working capital. So this is getting monies from your customers more quickly. And the factors in terms of that would be how often you raise invoices, what type of credit terms you offer, if any, how many different types of payments you offer to your clients, how good you are at collecting the monies and then looking at suppliers. Can you get extended terms on there? Can you get discounts for paying up front? Then looking at your stock, how good are you at buying and turning around stock quickly, not holding too much physical stock? 
Um, so they're the key points. There's a lot more detail behind that. Uh, and we can help our clients devise and improve and systemize those particular aspects. And the third factor, which I would suggest, is that small businesses, again, are not very good at doing budgeting, cash flow forecasts. They're not anticipating what might happen. So, for example, I spoke to a potential client last week, and I was sort of asking him about his payout house cash flow quite important in the current economic climate. And his cash flow forecasting is basically how much have I got in the bank today? What bills am I paying out next week? What's coming in next week? But then forgetting about it's got a VAT return liability of 20,000 in a month's time. So we're looking very, very short term. We need to be looking three months, six months, 12 months in advance to see where we're going. Where's our peaks? Where's our troughs? Where's our shortfalls going to be? How are we going to bridge those shortfalls? <clears throat> and many customers and clients struggle with that. They need the expertise and help that we can provide so we can help monitor, set up systems, give them the warning signs so that they are very well prepared. And I was reading last week that 88% of small businesses fail on cash. So it's not necessarily on profitability, it's on cash. Yeah. And in the climate we're in now, I would suggest that cash is even more important than profitability and how you manage that cash flow process. So there would be my three kind of key points. Um, so um, I, I think this question I'm going to ask is both relevant to like Gary and yourself. So at what point would you prefer a client to come to you? Maybe I, I'm thinking off the top of my head, is it just before they think they're going to come into some difficulty? So is that the best time to come to you? Or how would you prefer to work with your clients so you can stop these things happening in the future? I think best business practice is that small businesses do this on an ongoing basis. You know, that is best business practice to have a budget cash flow forecast. And sometimes I hear the objection that, well, we don't know what's going to happen in the future in the next six months, 12 months. Well, no, no one does. But by creating a budget gives you something to aim for. It makes you more accountable. It gives you a way of working something to achieve, to drive for. But a lot of small businesses are just in, in today. What's happening today? What problems do I need to firefight? Okay, I've sorted that. What's going to happen tomorrow? There's no foresight or plan. And it's very difficult to grow a business unless you know where you're going and how you're going to get there. And in most cases, this is why small businesses never grow. Very few businesses go beyond five employees because there's no plan. There's no structure. That's not to say that it's ideal that every business should be five employees plus, and why most small businesses remain as one-man businesses or two-people businesses, because there's a general lack of foresight and planning, in my opinion. Yeah. And Gary, I know you have a preferred time when you would like clients to get uh, in touch with you um, rather than when like the bad debt happens, and then you come in at the last minute. So what are your thoughts about when uh, someone should contact someone like yourself um, to help them with their situations? Um, in an ideal world, when they're starting up their business, actually, because the, the one piece of advice that most people don't get when they're starting up a business is how to deal with, with late payments or how to stop them from happening. Everybody talks about you know sales forecasts and you know profit margins and all of that stuff. 
um, but nobody says, well, by the way, what are you going to do if you don't get your invoice paid? And, and that problem may not actually arise for a period of time once a new business has started. So from my point of view, it's like buying a life insurance policy. Isn't it? You're not buying a life insurance policy because you want to die. You're buying a life insurance policy because you know you're going to die at some point and actually you want the protection when it's going to happen. And it's the same with, with commercial debt. Unless you're in a, If you're in any type of business where part or whole of your invoice is on terms, you're going to have a late payment at some point or a debt at some point. So buy the insurance policy right at the start. It'll be cheaper and it will give you more protection moving forward because it will enable you to build the processes that you need, like credit management policy, credit control systems, all of those things, due diligence and, and all of the stuff that you need. So yeah, that's what I would say as, as soon as possible in, in, in the setting up of the business. Um, and if you can't, if you don't do that, then the next the next stage you want to call in help is as soon as you get your first late payment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then we'll bring you on board. Bring well, the funds in. It's, it's a late payment is is a symptom of a problem, and it's like it, you know if you go to the doctor with a headache, he'll give you a tablet for your headache. But if he's doing his job properly, he'll then make an investigation as to what's caused the headache. Yeah. It's the same for me. You know, if someone's got a late payment, that's that's a problem, but it's really a symptom of a bigger problem. So then yeah. I can say, right, I'll deal with the late payment. We can sort that out, but let's have a look back at what's been going on before that and find out why it's late, yeah. and then we can start to put things right. So, Yeah. Um, Rob, have you got any thoughts on this, Matt? I know it's probably not the area of expertise that you cover, but it might – I think mm. it's going to lead nicely. Yeah. No, it's just a quick observation. It always seems to me that there are many reasons why people set up and run their own businesses. Um, but one of them is to feed their own family and, uh, and home life. And uh, some of the principles, I think Malcolm and, and Garrison Centre have mentioned, you can lift into your, your home finances. Where are your peaks and troughs when it comes to the bills you've got to pay? Are you are you going from week to week and month to month there as well? Um, because that's, you know, a, a lot of my... Um, clients are, or students of my course rig, I, I would tend to say are individuals with 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 families and so i'm seeing all the time a lack of, of financial planning within the home area as well so i think some of those principles would almost be you know i, I don't see the point in in having a, a well-run business with all the peaks and jobs sorted out and then at home you've got a, a, a wretched credit record because you haven't paid your mortgage or whatever. So, you know, so I think the two things can go hand in hand to, to a certain extent. I hope that helps anyway. Yeah. Um, and we're going to, leading on from that question, then we're going to come over to you, Rob. Oh, um, right. So the question I have for you, because it does actually touch nicely on something you've just said about like home wow. finances and stuff. Mm. So I know you have a bit of a bugbear with what you do and um, what people need to be doing. So um, what is the wish that you that you want some – no, let me start that again. So what is something you wish everyone was doing and why? And obviously, please introduce yourself as to what you do. Okay, yeah. Um, yes, I, I was an independent financial advisor in the wealth management sector for many, many years, more years than I care to remember probably. But uh, I became a financial educator. And when I did that, I realized how very little people understand about the world of investment and money and, and so forth. So it's been a great joy to, uh, to um, you know, uh, let people see what their opportunities are in the world of investment. And I run a money awareness training course where you can learn to invest for yourself, actually, and so on. I suppose 
One of the biggest problems is that every family, every individual turns to, tends to live in his or her own bubble of life. There are certain things within that bubble. And really sitting down and learning to invest your money and handle your money, take control of your money, is not really a part of that. And so one of the problems I have when I come along with my vision of helping people to really take control of their money and make their, send their money out to work for them is that they haven't got time. So the biggest thing that, that, that I dread hearing, I haven't got time, I'll, I'll do it later, Rob. And so we come to the subject of pensions, obviously. And uh, this is not Malcolm, of course, but I often remember a lovely lady accountant in the networking world that I was in. And I kept saying to her, what about your pension? Have you? She not looked at the pension papers for years, for ages. And it took about a year to 18 months. And then she came running across the floor to be excited one day. Said, Rob, Rob, I've got a quarter of a million pounds in my pension box. And she did not know. And when, and when I said to her, well, you know, where is that money? Always with my, you know, well, what has your IFA done with it? Oh, I think it's legal in general. He's put it with, oh, uh, yeah, I said, yeah, I said, what have legal in general done with it? Where is your money? Where is your pension pot? Is it in the right place for today's circumstances? And there have never, never, ever been time, you see, to look. So I, I, I would urge everybody listening, if they've got pension pot or any other investments, shares along the way. And they've just forgotten it. They've inherited them, perhaps, even. And they're in the back door somewhere. Get them out, look at them. You know, because uh, we're in very changing economic times. Very challenging. But the, the, the economic times we're in do present incredible opportunities for making profit if we can all learn to send our money out to work. Hope that helps a bit. Yeah, that does. Um, Malcolm and Gary, do you have any comments to make after what Rob said? Yeah, I'll just pick up on the concept of time which uh, Rob mentioned, uh, and relate that to small businesses. We find that owners are very focused on operational matters. They're also dealing with finance, their, their HR, their IT. You know, they're dealing with all aspects of running the business at the same time, which is very difficult to do, very difficult to be doing all things all the time. Therefore, they don't really have time just to sit down and have a think about, okay, well, where is the business now? Where are we going? How are we going to do that? And I'd recommend that business owners should be spending 90 minutes a day. Just take yourself away from the day-to-day activities of what's going on, the problems with the customers, problems with this or whatever. And I suggest do that first thing in the morning. You know, If you're an early bird, you're ready at work, half past seven, close your door, spend 90 minutes a day, and then it comes to nine o'clock, you're ready to deal with whatever the day may bring ahead to you. But because small businesses just don't have the time, they can't free their time up, you know, they should be using people like yourself, Elizabeth. <laughs> Get them to do the admin for you because it's not a good use of time. Don't do bookkeeping if you're a business owner. Mm. Free up all this mundane yeah. time that's going to add no value to the medium, long-term prospects of your business. So what I would say, time is critical. Use your time better. And that will help you thrive and grow whatever the economic conditions are, whether it's COVID or credit crunch, as it was, you know, eight, nine years ago. You know, if you do the right things in the right way, often enough, there's no reason why you can't have a really good, successful year in business in 2021. Mm. 
Okay, can I just add a comment, um, Elizabeth? I, you know, one of the things is this, that um, uh, one-man band businesses, for example, uh, struggling to make a living at the present time, maybe, and so on, who haven't got time to look after their pensions or their investments in ISIS. And, and yet, actually, when you realise that when COVID struck, the FTSE 100 index fell by 37%. Wow. So somebody with a hundred thousand, which sums easy, somebody with a hundred thousand pounds in loses, you know, thirty-seven thousand pounds. But they haven't got time to look at their pension pot. And maybe they're only earning fifteen, twenty quid an hour after the expenses of their actual business. That's it's not rational, but of course we are emotional beings, aren't we? Of course. <laughs> That's often the problem. And so am I. I'm an emotional being too. So I make mistakes, but hey, take the time. Do take the time and, and realise how much you're making or losing by not sending your money out to work properly. And Gary, have you got any comments to make on that? No, I think time is always the, is always the enemy as far as small businesses, particularly the, the, the smaller <clears throat> businesses, you know, the, the, the more sort of micro businesses, I suppose. But And it's always a problem. You know, we all know that they spend more time working in it than they do working on it and all of those things. But I think it's, it's incumbent on, on people like us, you know, to, to, to actually get them out of that system and, and to say, look, I can give you back some, I can give you back the time, you know, that you've lost, that you, that you're losing. Um, and what we need to do to, to achieve that is to do this. I mean, Small businesses in the UK, some small businesses are spending three days a month chasing debt, for example, chasing late payments. Well, they don't have to do that, but they do it because they think that's the way it is. That's the way we have to work. Well, you don't have to work that way. So it's incumbent upon me and people like me to say, look, I can show you how to get that time back. And what could you do with five weeks a year? You could actually revolutionize your business by doing the things that you should be doing. So. I think that there's a, there's a responsibility on people like us to be, to be going to those people and saying, look, you can you can get this time back. You can actually transform your business by using that time more effectively. And here's how I'll help you do it. Yeah, that's a good point. Absolutely. Um, so following on from what we've already chatted about, I think this would nicely lead us into the next question, which is going to Malcolm as the accountant. So um, it's a question that we've been posed and ready to put to you as the panel. So uh, one of our listeners has, has um, come in and said, I've no idea how to track and monitor cash in any level of detail. I don't have a degree in maths. What should I do? <laughs> a very common comment. I don't have a degree in maths either, so uh, I'm, I'm <laughs> at no unfair advantage. <laughs> the first thing you need to do, you need to be on the clouds. We're in, you know, it's 2021 now. It's not 1984 anymore, so... From a finance point of view, desktop is very out of fashion. So there are some really good, affordable cloud software out there at £20 a month. Very easy to use, very user-friendly. We really like Xero, which is XERO. They're a New Zealand company, quite big in the UK now. They're on the radio and TV adverts, so they're scaling up. It gives you real-time data, day in, day out. And it can help you track instantly who owes you money, who you owe money to. So when you come in in the morning, first thing at nine o'clock, after your 90 minutes of working on the business, <laughs> you can check on your daily financial input overnight. Who's paid you overnight? What's it going to mean today? So that's your first stage. 
But then, as I mentioned earlier, we need to be doing budgeting and cash flow forecasting going forwards. There are a number of apps that will integrate directly with Xero. Uh, there's Float, Fluidly, Futurely. Uh, they are the three main apps which can help you with cash flow forecasting. So a lot of the work is done for you. And if you're not great at maths, that's fine. That's, that's what we're here to help you with. Most of our clients, we are doing monthly, quarterly reviews so that we can help clients forewarn them for you know where the red flags are. You know, if we've got customers' invoices that are over three months old, we can bring that to your attention. Are you using cash flow in the best way? The things that I mentioned earlier. So we can give you a heads up summary straight away. So we don't end up in a position where we're in a panic six months down the line where we run out of cash and we're in trouble. Because what I can see happening this year is once the bounce back loans and the other loans, the government backed initiatives and the grants, they stop, which have kind of helped businesses survive in 2020 and the early part of 2021. People are going to start running out of cash and then everyone's going to be going to the marketplace at the same time trying to top up their reserves. But if you're doing budgeting and cash flow forecasting now, and you can see with a fair wind what's going to happen in six months' time, you know if you need more finance, do it now before there's a massive rush in the marketplace. The brokers are going to be overworked. The banks are going to be not able to cope. So by doing that, it's going to put you in a much better position. And also with, you know, I think it's going to be a lot more bad debts, which I'm sure Gary will touch on. People start running out of cash. People start paying their creditors later. You're going to be caught in that firing line. And the key for me is to be tough with your customers. You might have known Dave for 20 years and he's your best power and you've been working with him for a great time and great contracts, but everyone's in it for themselves ultimately. And those things we've seen with one of our customers, he's got £150,000 potential bad debt, someone he's known for a long time. And, uh, you know, that's putting the business under huge financial strain. I'm not sure they're going to make it through it, but they're going to need to refinance fairly quickly. So we need to be very careful about what could happen over the next six, 12 months and, and be that business that plans ahead. Don't be the one that gets caught out. Yeah, I would imagine, uh, Gary, you've got similar thoughts on that, obviously about tracking your income and stuff and on a piece of software or that have you seen have you been into businesses where that hasn't happened and does it just create more and more mess yeah it's 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 um it's a it's a, a big issue i think for a lot of small businesses actually um and you know i i, I speak to a, a lot of different people through networking on a weekly basis and virtual finance directors and accountants bookkeepers all and and they're they're all saying the same thing that it is a it is an issue and people do need to get their head around it. But for all all, all points of the business as well, I think because every almost every part of a business affects finance and, and cash management at some level, I believe. Um, and so you know it's and for me the critical point of that is the relationship between sales and finance because you know. Um, the sales, the, the people who are involved in the selling will say, oh, we've, we've, we've smashed our figures this month. Look, look, all those sales that are on the board. It's great. We're fantastic. And then when the, when the, the cash is short, they're saying, well, are we blaming sales? Are we blaming finance? Who's responsible for that? But 
you know, the, the old saying is, and, and it's what my old saying is, that, you know, the transactions rank until the cash is in the bank. So at, at the end yeah. of the day, the sales revenue might look good because you've smashed your targets, but that isn't money. That's just a contract signed. Until the money gets through and gets paid, you, you know, haven't got a problem. And so those are the kind of things that people need to be focusing on monitoring and managing all the way through. Because what you don't measure, you can't manage. And, uh, you know, that, that's that's what needs to be done. So that kind of software-driven approach is is perfect for every every part of the business, but particularly relevant to what I do, I guess. So. And I think that's a good point, Gary. And I know um, it resonated me when you presented in one of our networking groups. And it's right because, obviously, when you create an invoice, for example, in a piece of software, it's obviously going against your sales figures in your profit and loss. But you're right, the money's not actually in the bank. So uh, since you talked about that at a networking group, then now I actually manage all my invoices. So when I know I'm going to get paid, so I know like when that cash is coming into a, into the bank and that, that's really totally helped me out in, in terms of my forecasting and that in, in my business. And Rob, have you got any thoughts around that? Uh, no, I, I think I'll leave that one. That, that, that was fine, I think, what, what we were hearing. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but we're going to come over to you, Rob, now to ask oh, the next okay. question. Um, and I've got similar questions, actually, for you and Gary, just because of the types of industry that you're in. So um, my question to you, Rob, is within what you do, um, what's the question you are most tired of hearing on your subject? And what would you like to say about it so you never have to answer it again? And there's a number, actually. I mentioned one already, which is lack of time, which comes up time and time again, you might say. <laughs> um, but I, I suppose other things in, is like, um, I'm no good at figures. I'm no good at maths, Rob, you know, um, so I, I can't do this. And I, I generally like to say to people, well, let's ask some very simple questions for a minute. Uh, the first is, what is it that makes investments or shares go down in value? And I say, be very, very basic about this. And they can't be basic enough. And they come up with all kinds of, of clever-sounding ideas. And I said, no, no, at the end of the day, it's a human being that decides to sell the shares. So you know, and if, so the, if prices go up, it's a human being, somewhere on the line, that decides to buy the shares. So if you, I mean, I mean, I'll then say to them, well, do you think you understand people? Do you think you understand human nature? Because a lot of a lot of buying and selling is based on 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 on, um, on fear and greed, isn't it? You see. Yeah. And um, so I, I I did find when I was a financial advisor, I believed I explained things well to people. Yeah. But when I became a financial educator, I discovered that I hadn't explained things well to people at all. <laughs> um, and actually, there were lots of things I assumed that people knew that they don't know. So you really have to come back to a very basic, simple, understandable level. And that's what I do. And it was just yesterday, wasn't it, Elizabeth? I had a, a lovely comment from one client who said how relieved and settled she felt now that she'd made it and made her first investments ever, really. So yeah. she was usually only because we were able to make things really simple for them. So yeah. you know, the people put up blockages. Like, oh, I can't do that. That's not my work. No, come on in and find out how straightforward it can be, really. And I think I think that's part and parcel. I mean, I mean, when I we're talking about finances, but like in particular stuff that you do, Rob. Obviously, I, I have to say, like after a year of running my business, I did feel quite exposed. 
because I obviously I'd come from employment and I'd come into obviously working for myself and I felt very exposed around my pensions and and um, I think Gary touched on it about having the right insurance right at the beginning so one of the things I looked at was making sure my pension was being paid into and I use that obviously from the business and having the right critical illness for example insurance in place and right the life insurance so now I feel a lot more settled that if in my business my business would still be able to operate if something happened to me and obviously I've got the right people in place so that will happen and um, but that gave me a huge peace of mind and I think it's essential that business owners should do that for themselves um just so you know that you know if something happened because unfortunately there has been a few instances recently of uh, business owners unfortunately passing away earlier than maybe they should have done and what's left to sort out afterwards and sorry I'm going down on a on a morbid thing but it's just part parcel of you know especially if you're employing employees and stuff that you need to be prepared and have that all safe for them because they could find themselves out of a job for example so I agree and I know through some of the education you've given to me Rob, like my pensions do very well so I'm very pleased put those lessons into place so yeah. and you've helped me answer some of these questions and made me realize that you shouldn't just hide your pension papers away in your drawer forever mm, that's right um gary i'm going to ask the same question to you in terms of your the debt collection that you do so what's the question you are most tired of hearing on this subject and what would you like to say about it so you never have to answer it again I suspect I might not be answering it again uh, by the end of this year, or maybe I will, I don't know. But there's something that's been said to me an awful lot over the last nine months or so, uh, which comes out, which is really a statement but comes out as a question in, in, by inflection, I suppose, is that, oh, you must be really busy at the moment, mustn't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And the sad truth is, for the last nine or ten months, our, my industry, if you can call it that, in terms of, credit management, debt, debt prevention, credit control, debt recovery, whatever you want to call it, um, has not been very busy, actually. And there are a lot of good reasons for that. There's the law of unforeseen consequences for a start, which has actually kept a lot of businesses in business that would have otherwise gone out of business. The, I think the insult, UK insolvency figures for September through to November last year were actually less than they were the year before, which is a, a staggering statistic when you think about it. And I've spoken to a few people in business recovery and insolvency management, debt collection agencies, and all of them are saying that they've been a lot quieter than they would have expected to be. Now, on the other side of that, the the explosion, as Malcolm was referring to earlier, I think the explosion is going to happen at some point over the next few months. And I'm now in the last month, I've started to get more phone calls saying, can you help us with this debt? Can you help us with this debt? And mm. I'm happy to do. Um, what I would prefer to be saying to those people, though, I'd have been preferred to have been talking to those people 12 months ago and yeah. saying, what is your system? What is your credit control policy? Do you have a credit management system? Do you, you know, do you have those things in place that's going to stop these things from occurring? And so I think that there will be a lot of problems coming up over the next six months. There will be a lot of people that should have been asking questions beforehand and so i'm a bit fed up with people telling me that i must be really busy i know i'm going to get really busy but i'm going to get really busy at the messy end of what i do which is the debt collection and the, the enforcement side of things rather than in the in the, mm. the nice clean surgical end of it which i like to be mm. in with my white coat on 
and saying, right, these are these are the things we need to do to stop that happening next time. But it, it will come to that, and I will get to the point where I can talk to those businesses and say, right, you've been through this, you've got through it one way or another, now let's make sure you don't have to go through it again. Yeah. So, and then, Rob and Malcolm, how has it been for you? Because obviously, as Gary touched on about the COVID crisis and stuff, we are hopefully, as we're recording this, about to start coming out of it in some ways. I, I, I still think it's going to have a bit, in a, a bit of an effect on us for the next few years, depending on all the new variants and, and stuff like that. So how has business been for you both over the last 12 months? And what are you looking forward to in the future? Rob, do you want to start? I'll show you, yes. For, well, actually, business has boomed for me. It really has. I don't think it's because of COVID particularly. I, one of the things I do believe is that when you've been in business doing the same thing and preaching the same message consistently, um, you get business because you are still there. <laughs> and yeah. so, I, I mean, I, one of my lovely stories is, a, if I've got time, Elizabeth, very quickly, <laughs> there's, um, I got a phone call out of the blue and a, a very frail elderly lady's voice came over the phone to me. And she said, is that Mr. Harris, Mr. Rob Harris? I said, yes, it is. And she said, um, oh, um, you gave me some very good advice in 1990. <laughs> what? And that was the message. Uh, and I know I've had some bad advice. And my son says, you're the person to talk to. So can you help me? So I sorted her out. And, of course, a little bit later on, her son came to me and said, um, uh, Rob, uh, I gather you weren't too delighted with the advice my mother had had. I've had the same advice. Could you help me? <laughs> and, and that led to a very large pension transfer and all the rest of it. So, you know, just still being there, you know, so surviving through COVID, still keeping your head above the wall, still being there, still getting your message out, uh, somehow attracts business, I think. Simply because you're still there. Do you, do you know what I mean? So I think that my, that my business boom is partly because I'm still here and okay. still saying the same thing. And people are hearing and listening and realising how important it is to make their money work for them, especially today. Especially today. How about you, Malcolm? Yes, uh, 2020, 2020 was a difficult year for all of our clients in some way. Every business has been affected to some extent. So we've been there to try and support them through uh, good and bad times and give them some practical advice. But 2021, I think, we're going to be supporting clients in a different way. So whilst 2021, the back foot, really, firefighting, 2021 is, OK, well, we need to move your business forward. How can we help you do that? And I think some business owners kind of get very concerned because I don't know where to start. Okay, I've got so much going on. There's so many things I could do. You know, what should I do first? Mm. And for many people, you don't need to completely transform your business and do everything completely differently and start again. The profit drivers within the business, there are sort of 12 or so key numbers which get you to your profit. And all you need to do really is just do some small tweaks, some experimentation, some measuring and monitoring on each of those 12 key stages, even if it's only 2%, 5%, so in terms of the number of leads that come in, the number of leads you convert to clients, how often people buy from you, how often you cross-sell and upsell to your customers, improving your margins and so on. If you improve each of those small stages by a small percentage, the cumulative effect on that is actually enormous. So yeah. even a 2 3 5% improvement in each of those stages can add 
20, 30% onto your gross profit improvement. So helping clients understanding that, helping them put a plan in place. And I'm really positive and confident that a lot of our clients can have a really good year and just control the things that they can control. Forget about whatever the Chancellor says or whatever the government says or whatever Boris announces next. We as business owners, we can't control that. Focus on the things that we can control. Mm, that's a good piece of advice. Well, that's yeah. the end of um, your questions that you know about, but there's one more. And I ask this of all my podcast guests when they come on and record their episodes. So my question to all of you is, what is the one piece of practical advice you would give to anyone starting out on this exciting journey of setting up a business? So, Gary, do you want to answer that question first? Yeah, I suppose it's a combination of, of, of two things that we've already heard today, one from me and, and one just now from Malcolm, and possibly one from, from Rob as well. It's, it's, uh, that's a bit medley, really, but let's, let's start again. So um, firstly, what Malcolm just said, I think, is control the controllables, and I think that stands for everybody, whether they're in business or in your own personal life. You can't do anything about what other people do. You can only do something about what you do yourself. So control the controllables and make sure you prepare for every conceivable eventuality that, yeah. that might if you're starting up a new business because at the point at which you start a new business there isn't really much to do other than prepare isn't there for the to and make sure you've got the, the groundwork done that you need so from that point of view and understand that you don't know the things you don't know and i think rob alluded to this earlier people don't know what they don't know so you know you've got to be bold enough to say, well, I don't, I don't know the things I don't know. I don't have the answers to the things, some of the things I do know, but I don't know the things I don't know. So I, I need to take yeah. advice from people who do understand the problems and who do know the things that are likely to befall me. So get the best advice you can and make sure that you have systems in place that will enable you to protect yourself for the things that might come your way. Yeah. Malcolm, how about you? I think the, the key weakness in the small business sector is that everyone looks the same. So if I look on five websites for solicitors or accountants or real writers or anything else, they all look the same. They use the same cliches that they're a friendly small business, which is not a differentiator. So businesses need to be much more considerate about, first of all, who their ideal client is, where are they in the marketplace, who are they trying to attract and why. And, and really, why are they different from the competitors? Because if you can really achieve that in a tangible way, digitally, online, because everyone's going to be checking you out personally on LinkedIn and be checking out your website. And if you can really stand your ground that your potential customer knows who you are, what you're doing and why you're different, you're going to do really well in business. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, most small businesses are all generically the same. And therefore, what that means is the buyer because they can't differentiate, they go on price. Right. And that means lowest price wins and you don't want to be in that cycle. No, definitely not. And Rob, how about you? I saw you shaking your head at some point. Oh, well, uh, well you and yeah. I know why. Uh, bugbear about websites and things, but what would well, you your final? Well, no, 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 you see, uh, I, what Malcolm says is, is, I'm sure, entirely right. But um, my website doesn't produce a lot of business for me. And I think the reason is that when you're talking about investments and money trust is the big key to that and i'm finding in the main that has to be eyeball to eyeball 
which you can do to a certain extent on Zoom, but not quite the same as face-to-face. But anyway, but I, going back to when you're first starting your business, I think the big question is why? Why am I doing this? You know, And if you haven't got a conviction, and I would say a burning passion about what you're, what you're about to launch into, then don't start. You know, because there are so many bumps and brick walls and barriers in the way along along the path of building your business. That is your conviction, it's your passion, that you really have something of value to offer to other people, something that will make a difference to their lives, to their businesses, and so on. So um, I would still be here today, and I certainly wouldn't be at my age doing what I'm doing, which is educating people about money, without a burning passion and belief that what I'm doing is of value. And that's fed back to me time and time again. So I'm excited and enthusiastic about what I do. And if, if a listener is in business but not enthusiastic about what they're doing, then in a gentle way, can they just say, stand still and ask the question, why am I doing this? And if you, if you can get the answer of why and it comes from your heart, your passion, you'll win through. You certainly will. Nothing will stop you. Yeah. Yeah, no, thank you very much. And and you'll be pleased to know we've come to the end of our uh, uh, discussion today. So thank you so much for taking part. We've got our three experts here. So thank you. I hope you enjoyed being part of our panel interview. I hope you as the listener has enjoyed that too. So thank you very much. Thanks, Elizabeth. It's been a pleasure. So the Small Business Growth Club is a monthly membership group that you can sign up to. In the membership club, you get access to a networking group every month. We have, uh, you also have access to our monthly theme and two of our experts have presented for a couple of our monthly themes. So Gary presents just about near the beginning of when you're setting up the business about like having the right contracts in place and he gives us good hints and tips on how to do that. Rob, you've presented a bit later on as you're growing your business about choosing the right financial advisor in your business. So if you want to hear more from our uh, couple of our panel experts today, then please do join us in the club. You also have access to our business basics training, which we're um, looking to expand over the next few months. So you're getting loads of contents just for £15 a month. So if you would like to um, join us, click on the link here in the podcast. But um, hopefully you've all enjoyed this special edition of our podcast on the Small Business Stories platform. Next time, we're going to have a panel of experts talking about automating your business. So hopefully to save you some time, what what we've talked about today. So thank you very much. I hope you've enjoyed the episode and we'll be returning to our normal small business stories with our small business owners on the next podcast. So thank you very much and we'll see you again. 